You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, not joining me as always, is my good friend Frank Madden. He is obviously still just hanging out with Matilda, which I can't say I blame him for at all. Um, a newborn daughter you should definitely hang out with and not waste your time recording a podcast with me. Uh, so I'm totally okay with that. And we have a new guest host this is something that i normally in these situations i scream like emergency pod or something um but the, this week it's been guys that have guest hosted before but this is a new guest host it is my teammate at esp milwaukee and my good friend prateek patel prateek thank you so much for joining me oh, i'm happy to be here uh honestly thought it was a little strange uh to bring back an edition of lockdown sadness but <laughs> not my pod i'm not judging <laughs> See, I, I appreciate that I can tell now that you're a listener. Uh, oh, that's yeah. an in-joke. That's an in-joke right there. So. See, the issue is I normally listen at double speed because I'm Team 2X and hearing this in real time, I'm just going to assume you're drunk because you sound <laughs> drunk because it's literally half the speed of what I'm used to hearing. But <laughs> I remember telling... We'll overcome adversity. I'm trying to think. I was talking to Matt Velasquez about like podcasts we listen to and like the speed that we listen to, and he was like... Oh yeah, like every once in a while, like I'll throw your guys' pot on, and then like I listen to all these other ones, and he's like, "But it's strange because like I listen at one and a half speed." He's like, "So when I talk to you in person, like I don't like doing it. Like it's it's like this weird kind of dissonance where like I can't comprehend." And I told him the story about how a while back you told me that you're struggling anytime we're on air together because you're like Eric's drunk. Like, oh it, yeah, he, you, you sound toasted. <laughs> Because I'm talking so slow. Um, So it's kind of strange to think about. But uh, appreciate you being here. Um, Also appreciate you signing up for draft, which you just did. Obviously, it is a draft Wednesday. Our promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that's L-O-Bucks for Lockdown Bucks. That'll get you a free play at draft when you make your first deposit, which Pratik just did. And I did. You used the promo code and everything yes. worked out okay? Yep. Super easy. It asked me for my name and email and a promo code, and that's all it took. And luckily I was capable to provide all of those things. That seems very simple. Yeah. Um, if you couldn't do that, I'd be a little bit worried. Uh, so Pratik will be a part of our Locked On draft. I'll be sure to invite him, and I'll be able to invite him because if you follow me on draft i can invite you it's very easy um you just have to follow me at eric underscore name so uh very easy and we'll do hopefully a a draft league with just new followers pratik being one of them and then hopefully we'll fill up another one with all of you that have been here before as always tell your friends tell them how easy it is and get a free play using l-o-b-u-c-k-s uh so pratik kind of mentioned it but (laughs) This is going to be a bit of an episode of Locked on Sadness, and uh, obviously Pratik works at ESPN Milwaukee with me, and obviously we're, we're good friends and kind of talk about basketball, and I think some people are still caught 
off guard by this, but you are you're not a Bucks fan. No, uh, you are not from Milwaukee. No, nope. um, you do a great job talking about the Bucks, covering the Bucks. Like you very much understand the intricacies of Milwaukee Bucks basketball, but you are not a Bucks fan. You Unfortunately, are, no. You are, you are a Clippers fan. I, that that I am. Uh, so. Let's just—I'm trying to figure out really how to even approach this topic. Um, obviously, the biggest story of the day, and you can head over to Lockdown Pistons, Lockdown Clippers. They'll break it down a little bit more for you uh, than what we're about to do. But the biggest story of the day is Blake Griffin getting traded. And I guess, how are you doing? It's been about—it's just over 24 hours. We're recording at seven o'clock here on Tuesday. Just over 24 hours. How are you right now? I feel like I'm sold. Basically playing a hopscotch through the five stages of grief, just kind of back and forth. I don't know if there's a better way to describe that, but um, yeah, I mean it. It sucks, and it, yeah. I I don't know that I'm all that shocked, but also I'm the epitome of a pessimistic sports fan. I think. Um, so really, I, I you thought, fit in with all the Bucks fans. Oh like, yeah, I, no, it, essentially yes. your brethren with us. I, I can relate. Um, I thought it had reached the point of just sort of unbothered apathy. Okay. But uh, after yesterday, I, I, I just got sucked right back in. I mean, I, I didn't think there, there was a way that I was going to end up being like a, a disappointed Clippers fan again. You know, like growing up as a kid, like, you know, you get, you get disappointed by every loss. Sure. Um, and that wore off real quick. Um, and I've always felt like I was the fan that just, you know, I don't expect anything. Even when Chris Paul was around and, you know, we were quote-unquote contenders for a couple of years there. and That makes sports more enjoyable, though. Like, if you always expect terrible things when something actually good happens, like, you can derive joy from it. But right. then you don't have to deal with the disappointment of expectations. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the Vince Vaughn quote at the start of Dodgefall. He's like... Or wedding crashers. Yeah. You know, I just try not to have expectations because then you're never disappointed. Then, um, but I, I thought I was at that point, and I mean, I watched. I try to explain to people like, I, I I'm never attempting to throw myself a pity party by telling people I'm a Clippers fan. But when I try to explain to people that the best season I've experienced as a fan of one single basketball team was the year the Clippers choked away Ooh. the. Playoff series to the Rockets. No, that was the like that was that's, one of the all time worst playoff collapses yes. in NBA history, and that was the best season I've ever gotten to experience. But I don't typically have to bring that up around Bucks fans. I think they just they just get it. Um, there's a, there's a lot of shared pain. Everyone yeah. kind of understands that. So I guess why I wanted to talk to you is we're not going to break down the Blake Griffin trade and oh, who won, God, who no. lost because. A million other podcasts have done that. Yeah. Like that is something. One, I'm not qualified to do. I don't watch either of those teams enough to do it. And two, I don't think I, I'm capable. <laughs> I don't think I'm interested. Like I, I don't. I don't think I have any interest in that at all. There's plenty yep. of people smarter than me that have written those pieces, that have recorded those podcasts. Go listen to that. But what I did want to talk to you about is since there there is kind of that shared perspective from Bucks and Clippers fans of. Not really expecting much, lots and lots of defeat, and just general a, a lack of expectations. I think those two franchises are going through similar things right now in that 
the Bucks are starting to ramp up expectations. And the Clippers, obviously, when you get Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, you did the same thing. You ramped up expectations, and then you were starting to expect something from the team. And I guess where it becomes interesting is throughout Bucks fandom, I think there's always the idea of, okay, well, you know, if you're not a championship team, tear it down, go to the lottery, and rebuild from the start. Like you got to tank to actually win this thing. And something that fascinates me is tanking sucks. Oh like, yeah, it does. Like it's just it's just crappy. Like there's, be, be, there's not much worse. Like watching bad basketball is not fun for anyone. <laughs> and watching bad like young guys flounder through games to be bad, like that's not that's also not fun. Even if you it's a prospect you like, like that is not a fun experience. And I'm just curious, as you go through this, you obviously, as a Clippers fan, were very bad. Oh. Very, very bad. And then... The worst, some might say. Yes, some might say that. Then you got to a spot where you were in the playoffs every year. You had a great player in Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. You had a strong team. And now you're on the other end of this. And I feel like as I've seen this trade broken down... There's the idea that the Clippers did the right thing. You know, that contract was just not going to be good. They did the right thing. They got out from underneath it, and they got some pieces, and maybe they can make some more trades, get some more picks, and start the rebuild right. Like, that's the idea. Do you feel that? Because as someone who's seen the lowest of lows, I feel like there has to be just this this unending fear of going back to that. Yeah, and that's, that's really what it boils down to. I mean, I... Like I said, that that one horrible playoff collapse is the highlight of my basketball viewing experience, and uh, that's that's fine. I've been fine with that, you know. Yeah. Like I, that's never been, you know. I don't I don't lose sleep over it. Like I, sure. we're not at that point, but yeah, that's the issue. I mean, I growing up, I remember just wondering like what it was like, especially because. Uh, I grew up in San Antonio. Like, I was born in L.A., and I, I lived there for a little bit. My family, we only went to Clipper games. They were significantly cheaper, and that's uh, Hell yeah. that's most of it. Because, I mean, it's not like they were sharing an arena at the time. Yeah. But that's that's why I became a Clippers fan. That's where we went. Like, that's where I got to experience sports with my family and, and with, with my dad, who, who passed away when I was young. And, like, that's that's why I'm a Clippers fan. That's why I stayed a Clippers fan. Right. I mean, at that point, you're, you're just in far enough. There's no point in jumping. No. Um, but that's just part of who I was and eventually over time um, there were some bright spots I think in it was 2000 like 2001 2002 those years with Derry Smiles and Quentin Richardson and, with the oh what yeah was that, what was that even called the thing where you hit it on your head like was there a name for it like you're just kind of dapping up your head with both hands yeah um, which was incredible because I definitely did that throughout middle yeah. school like, no, they were fun three, like, you know like that was the first time I remember watching a team that was fun yeah yeah. Uh, they didn't win a no. ton so I still hadn't experienced that and then 06 came around and I watched some like just the weirdest roster uh sam cassell yep. uh who had been recently acquired elton brand who was an all-star that year but anyways they they go to the playoffs we're not skipping over chris Kamen. you can't because of vince <laughs> staples tweet today you cannot skip over chris Kamen because chris Kamen did not die for this no chris Kamen ain't died for this um <laughs> but i mean it was, such, it was such a weird team but they go to the playoffs and they they end up beating a carmelo anthony nuggets team yeah. in a series 
then they lose to the Suns. But like that, was there a couple of Sam Cassell big ball dances? Oh yeah, like, right, that, oh, that yeah. was that because I can remember the Timberwolves one, and then I think I remember a Clippers one. Was there was there multiple? Because the, I multiple. Know, that's so great. Multiple. That's so. Great. <laughs> and so they, and to think that they get to the second round of the playoffs, and if you would have told me at that time that. Well, I guess at the time it doesn't make sense. But years later that I was going to have Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. I was going to have this, like, star-studded team. And we were going to – the Clippers were only going to reach the same Spot. distance in the playoffs as, as that team. I mean, that's I, – I, I would have – I would assume you were joking. But, like, that, I, I haven't had much in terms of, you know, getting to watch something. But that's – and that's the issue. It's like I most of my life has been watching a team that's that's been in the lottery, yeah. and while a lot of people do view it, you know, in, the, in this binary fashion, that it's you know if you if you're not going to win a championship with who you have, then blow it up and move on. And that's just I just don't I just don't see that. I I don't I can't grasp that. I can't get that to make sense for me because there's even as I was going through all of these. Uh, postseasons the last couple of years, knowing that the Clippers were not going to win a title, like just an exorbitant amount of things would have had to break correctly, and it almost in- did, including it almost did. Yeah, yeah, there was there were some flashes, but almost did. I don't mean to make you at no that. point. No, no, at no point did I think that they were going to win a title. Sure, there was never a point throughout this era of through you know, this Lob City era yeah. that I thought the Clippers were going to win a title. I was probably more optimistic than I should have been at times, but at no point did I think that. And I was okay with that because I was just excited to watch playoff basketball. And maybe that's an indictment on whatever my standards were, but all I knew was I did not want to go back to, as a fan, I did not want to go back to the lottery. Yeah. I don't care if it was just for one year and you could tell me, oh, well, the rebuild's done. Like, that's just not something I wanted to sign up for. Yeah. And so I still think that there's value in the NBA of reaching the playoffs, even if you're not a contender, because... There, there's just so I mean, just financially alone to get to the playoff gate for even if it's just two games and you get swept, that's still monumental for a lot of teams. Yep. And obviously, it doesn't make a huge difference for a team like the Clippers, but for these smaller market teams, and I know market size doesn't matter as much, um, especially when it comes to free agency and things like that. But there are a lot of there are a lot of areas where that still does matter. Yes. And if you're telling the Indiana Pacers. Or God, the Timberwolves after what feels like nine decades, yeah, like that they're going to get even two games of playoff, like home ticket gate, like yeah. that's that's massive. And so, even beyond that, as a fan, I always felt that there was still a ton of value in making the playoffs. And I mean, the Clippers were never—I mean, up until these last couple of years—it never felt like they were just going to be a first round out because they were one of the better teams in the conference. But there was always more to come, and I knew that. You know, the last couple of years were different because after every playoff loss, there was a chance that you know this was this was when we were blowing up the core. But that that never happened up until you know now. But yeah. this, I was never disappointed with a playoff loss because I I just know yeah, what there's I, I know what there there's yeah. been. <laughs> yeah. um, I uh, Matt Moore from CBS made the analogy I think a couple months ago um, on one of their podcasts and it was or maybe he tweeted it it was about Patrick Beverly and I don't know if it was his wife or who asked him about Patrick Beverly and like what he's like and why he's so angry and his his explanation was you know there's always like that character in a movie that's like no I'm not going back to prison and 
Yeah. Patrick Beverly's is basically that, except he's not going back to like playing overseas. Yeah. Like I don't want to go back to the lottery. Yeah. I do not want to watch a lottery team, Be- mostly because I'm worried that I'm just not going to want to watch, because I've now experienced more. And I think for Bucks fans, what's really cool is that it is a little bit different situation because this team is not as good as what those Clippers teams were yet. Correct. But there's so much more potential here because of what Giannis is. I mean, Chris Paul, for as good as he was during that stretch, you knew that was kind of his – he was at a ceiling. That's what you were going to yeah. get. Um, Blake Griffin, you know, did, there was a time where there was a ton of potential and then, you know, injuries kind of ravaged him and uh, certain circumstances, you know, yeah. punching people and, <laughs> like, stuff happens. Correct. Um, but with with the Bucks, there's there's just – there's so much to be optimistic about. And that's why I – before Kid got fired and I was thinking, like – the Fire Kid group is, is legitimately a cult. Yeah. And, and people took exception to that. People were very angry that I tweeted that. They did not like and I tweet, did, no. And I, I, was, I, I guess I understood why that could be taken negatively. It has that, a bad connotation. That wasn't the case. Like, I was, I was envious. Because like, Clippers like fans I said, would never do that. No. I, like I said, I had reached the point of apathy with, yeah. as, you know, with my fandom in yeah. the NBA because I just, I've come to terms with you know, the fact that I'm probably never going to see a title. That's on the table. Yeah, if you're a Bucks fan, that is absolutely on the table. Sure. And everything now is about team building, and and that makes me think back to last year, where you know before the Bucks go on that run to ultimately make the playoffs, there was a lot of talk of should the team tank, and this is the time to tank. And I know Frank had brought up multiple times after every win, he was looking at the standings. After every loss, he was looking at Tankathon. Yeah. And I, I understood it. I get it. Yeah. I'm just so anti-tanking because of the bad basketball I've had to watch and the years of being what I consider to be like a dedicated Clippers fan that I just – I'm upset that I threw any of my like time their way because it just – it wasn't warranted and it wasn't – I mean, it just wasn't deserved. Yeah. And now that you have a team in Milwaukee where – I mean, they're not there yet, and I don't think any, especially last year, I don't think anyone believed that, but the, the, the idea of tanking when you could even get into the playoffs and getting swept in the first round, everything right now is about Giannis. And even last year, getting him just the exposure to the postseason is worth whatever the difference is between having the 17th pick and the, the 10th, Yeah, personally. Especially because, and that, that's my biggest gripe with, with tanking, is that we've come to believe that this is, that there's a process. And even outside of Philly, like, the belief is that, oh, well, if you're not good enough, you tank, and then you rebuild, and you'll be back in it. And there's just, there's no guarantees. There is no real process. Yeah. Like, there's just as much luck involved. There's not a blueprint. No, there's, there's nothing. The Magic have been in the <laughs> top five. They've how been many times in their now? process for a hundred years, and, and it's, it's just not going anywhere. Nothing's changing. They did everything Philly did. They they were trying to lose. The difference is they never got better. Correct. Like and they, they just didn't get that luck. They have nothing to show for it. And you have Aaron Gordon, who I mean, if they do fully embrace the tank again, like he could be on the trade market. And then you have truly nothing to show for it. There are a lot of teams that don't make it out of the tank. Yes, it is a major risk to go in that way. Absolutely, and. For me, as a fan of one singular team, I don't want my team there. And I get why people from the outside would say, like, oh, well, no, it's, you know, this core isn't working. It's time to blow it up. And I just I just get furious because, like, you, 
I would never make that decision for another fan, you know, as a team, yeah. you know, as a fan of their team. And so when I saw Bucks fans last year saying, "Oh well, no, it's time to tank. Like we're just going to get out. We're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs anyways. Like it's time to tank." It's like no, there's still so much value across across all sorts of different aspects of the game, and whether that's from, especially when you were touting how young the team was, which I know, thank goodness, is not uh, <laughs> it's not a not a, a recurring thing anymore, no. but. Um, when you have players that young and you can get them playoff exposure, especially someone who's as, as good as Giannis and is going to be a mainstay of someone who you're going to build around, you need to get him as much of that as possible. Yeah. And I also think from a team-building standpoint, there's you can only have too many young guys and be productive. And, you know, young teams do lose, but I think every team caps out at how much they're able to develop all at once. And I think Rashad Vaughn was – a lot of that was on him because he just refused to shoot for whatever reason. But, yeah. I mean, I think he is a casualty of that. Like, if he's on a team that is a lot more veteran-laden, like, he probably gets to develop a lot more. And maybe it's in more limited minutes, but there's a more defined role. And especially when we're under kids, like, the yeah. rotations were – I mean, you were you were playing Mad Libs, basically. <laughs> well, because I, I guess why I wanted to have this conversation with you is because I, I think this idea comes into the forefront with Jabari Parker returning. Because with Jabari, the the thing that hangs over this is he doesn't have a contract for next year. Like he, he doesn't have that. He's going to be restricted free agent this summer, and you have to figure out how high you're willing to go how much value he think you think he has, how much he can contribute, and you have, I mean, he's going to come back on Friday. That's what thirty eight games, maybe a little bit less. I'm trying. I'm bad at math. Thirty five. It's thirty five or so games. Yeah. So you're going to have that time to attempt to figure that out. And I just think this has been something that's been lingering in the background of this entire Buck season because when you trade for Eric Bledsoe, you say, well. You know, you got him for two years, and then you got to make some decisions. And yeah. if you look down the road, you know that Giannis has, at the start of this year, he had four years. You knew Chris Middleton had two years. You knew Malcolm Brogdon had two years. You add another guy in Eric Bledsoe that has two years. So you're going to have a summer, not this summer, next summer, where you have to make a ton of decisions and figure out how your cap's going to work and who you signed. And I just think it's been kind of interesting to think about how you build that team how do those guys fit? And as you watch this team, how do they develop together? Because I think as you've seen Bledsoe and Middleton and Giannis play together, I think you've seen Middleton have no problems adjusting. Right. Like he's able to fulfill the same role. He's able to get the shots when he needs shots. He's able to, if he doesn't need shots, get within the offense, throw an alley-oop to John Henson, create. He's able to come off screens and just make a simple pass and keep the offense moving. Eric Bledsoe, I think, has struggled with that a little bit more. There's been some nights where it works really well, yeah. and then there's other nights where it looks more like he's trying to get his, and, well, Giannis and Chris just hit a shot, so that means I need one now, and that ends up with a one-for-eight night from three like he had the other night. And you're about to throw in another person into that mix in Jabari Parker, and I think we've seen Joe Prunty stagger Giannis and Chris a little bit differently, and I think those that has helped and made a little bit more sense for the shooters that you have on the floor with them and stuff like that. But at the same time, you throw Jabari into that mix, and then you're at a spot where you have tough decisions to make on those guys because you have to figure out, okay, the reason Blake Griffin got traded was not because he's a terrible player. It's because he might not be good enough for the contract that you signed him to. Like, it was just too big. 
And when you look at Chris Middleton, who will be, I think, 28, 29, when you get to that spot, when you look at Eric Bledsoe, same spot. Like, these guys are going to be older, and you're signing them for a contract that's going to take them over 30, get them into the 32 range. Jabari Parker, he's not as old, but he's got those two ACL yeah. tears, and you don't know there. And I think, to me, it's interesting to watch Bucks fans worry about capping out the roster before getting to capping out the roster, if that makes any sense. Like, once you got to the Clippers, you you just mentioned earlier that you knew, okay, they're only going to get this far. They're not going to win a championship, yeah. but they're only going to get this far. The Bucks, with that court, you don't know that answer yet. Like, you don't know how far those four guys and whoever else you add in, or five guys, whatever you want to say, you don't know how far that court can get you. And there's already some thought that, oh, man, is this a time where you make a trade? Because this would be the time. A year and a half left of Eric Bledsoe, a year and a half left of Chris Middleton, half a year of Jabari Parker. Like, this would be the time to make a trade because this is where their value has, I don't want to say the highest value because that would have been over the summer, but, like, this is the last point where you can trade them and they're not an expiring contract and they're not. Like, this is the very last moment with the trade deadline eight days away. You have eight days of them having peak value before you can't trade them anymore. So you're committing to a year and a half of that. And there's Bucks fans that are concerned about that, that you're really locking yourself into a future that's worrisome. But just listening to you, that's that's always kind of the, the thing. I guess I appreciate of having someone that's not a Bucks fan around me, like <laughs> having a Clippers fan that I can kind of think through these things and think of them from the other perspective. Because if you do trade those guys away and you decide – this year that you want to get another pick or whatever it may be. I'm not 100% sure what you would trade for those guys. Maybe someone younger, someone that can shoot the ball better than Eric Plus, whatever it may be. I just think there's always kind of that possibility that you just fall off. Like, you just fall off whatever. And Giannis is probably not going to allow that. Like, no matter what, you're, there's a baseline of bad you will never yeah. get to. But at the same time, you could fall off if you make some moves. So I, I don't know. I, I just think I wanted to have you on and to talk about that because I think it does relate to the Milwaukee Bucks and where they're going. Yeah, and it, and it depends on what kind of put a, a situation you, you end up putting yourself in because right now the Bucks, while they do have all these decisions to make, and especially that summer of 19 is going to be the big one because, like you mentioned, there's multiple names coming up in, in this core, but it's an enviable position to be in right. uh, and and not just because of me honest it's because you do have some really good players around him um and i think you got to a point last year with hammond um where the the team was capped out and even if you were to add some fringe pieces there wasn't really space for them to get minutes even though you know under previous regime i guess anyone could have played on any given night but yeah. uh and you reached a point with Hammond last year where you couldn't afford to not hit on your draft picks. And obviously Malcolm Brogdon was a was a massive success yes. given where you got him. And Don, because there's still so much to figure out with him, it hasn't looked great so far, but he's given you flashes. And you know even if he ends up becoming a good percentage of what you're expecting his ceiling to be, that's still a win. Yeah. Now, it's about aligning everything with Giannis's timetable. And so... Yeah, you could try and get a pick if you know this year would have gone south, and that's that's great. Maybe that pick contri- ends up contributing, but that's like I said with with tanking. There's just there's so few guarantees, and especially the further out you get from that that top pick, 
There's just there's no like I don't know how much value there is in the 14th pick. Yeah. You know, or the the 10th pick even. Like yeah, there are some great names that have been the 10th, the, the 12th, I mean 13th obviously, the 14th pick. Like th- there have been great names at those positions, but those are few and far between. And for me, especially with a player as young as as Giannis and what he had become, that's why I felt the value was it would have been more valuable to get him into the playoffs. And I think at this point you are far beyond attempting to tank any of these years if you're the Bucks, because you need to give Giannis as much winning as he can taste. Even even with concerns about Jabari's knee, Bledsoe's age, Middleton's age, like the next contract, like that, you feel like you're you're already past it. I I think you, I think you're you're beyond that point. It would have been last year. Okay. I think last year was the last year you could have you could have feasibly outright tanked for you know draft assets because even now if Jabari's knees are that big of a concern you don't match whatever he gets yeah right I mean that's worst case scenario and that's and then he's no longer on your books and then your summer of 19 if you don't end up retaining one or any of those guys then there is a ton of cap space and there is you were far better off putting some of that max money that you were going to have after all these players come off the books towards a free agent veteran asset or someone that, you know, you there's going to be players that you know like what they are and you're going to have a far better and more immediate success venturing through those avenues than you will in the draft. I just do not trust the draft. Yeah. Right? Like I, I don't, and maybe that's just a weird way to view the NBA, but there's, there's so little about the draft that I trust. And a lot of that probably stems from being a Clippers fan, but there's just zero guarantees. And I know that injuries can happen to anyone, and that's not what I'm saying. But there are, there are a lot. Of, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of really high draft picks that just no don't end up being anything. And a lot of that is on the team, but a lot of that those are consensus like top five picks, year in and year out. That just nothing becomes of them, and that that sucks. And if you want to burn a year of Giannis for the you know knowing that there's a chance that that happens. Like you just can't do that. I think I think this team would be on tanking, at least while Giannis is on the roster. Even after the summer of nineteen, if you lose everyone, right? If Jabari is on another team because you didn't match in restricted free yeah. agency, if Middleton walks because you decide he got an offer that's not worth um, trying to convince him to stay around for, if Bledsoe walks, you still have Giannis, and you are still going to be in, you know, top half of a division picture. Yeah. From him alone. And to me, I don't know why you would waste any of those years from now until then trying to get draft assets. And I know that we've talked about this before. Giannis is at the disadvantage of not having the Team USA aspect of of recruiting. Yes. But we are going to see a point here, if we're not already there, where A, the All-Star game is going to be huge for him. And B, he's going to be good enough on his own to attract free agents. (laughs) I just imagined Giannis going to All Star Weekend with like pamphlets, like just like, like honestly, like, like a Milwaukee tourism, yeah, yeah, like a Milwaukee tour, tourism, like college pamphlet. Like there's like some black people on the front of the the, the pamphlet, so like you have the diversity. Like come on, guys, Milwaukee's great. I can really it's great. See. And like you're having like it's only pictures of the summertime, like no, right. no winter pictures at all. It's just him at Summerfest watching Future Migos yeah. and, and yeah. Big John. Absolutely, like all of them are in Giannis jerseys. They might be photoshopped into those. Giannis jerseys, but they're in Bucks Giannis jerseys. Like I'm just imagining that and enjoying that. Um, you mentioned draft assets, and 
not trusting draft and I gotta say it, I disagree because I trust draft wholly and completely and that's why we play with draft each and every week use our promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S again that's L-O-B-U-C-K-S for Lockdown Bucks and then I'll get you a free play on your first deposit at draft and it'll be a $3 free play in all of our leagues that we do uh, with Lockdown Bucks are $3 so all you have to do is follow us um, I'm at Eric underscore name Frank is at Lockdown Frank Pratik, I don't know what it is. Patel ESPN. Pratik is at Patel ESPN. Oh, no, uh, it's just Pratik. Okay. It's just my first name. P R A T I K. What? How is there not another Pratik in the entirety of the world that took up the username <laughs> at Pratik? I don't know, because in most platforms where I've tried to use just my first name, they're usually taken. There has to be. Yeah. Okay, fine. Pratik is on here. I got away with it. Um, so, at Pratik, and we'll do a draft. We'll invite you to it. Uh, like I said, follow us there, and then we can invite you into those drafts, and we can have some fun um, and kind of see. And hopefully you don't waste your first-round pick on something that doesn't work out in draft. Because if so, you're probably screwed. Because the, there's it's a smaller draft. You're only drafting the good guys. So if one of your good guys is not good, it's pretty hard. Unless Lou Williams goes off for, like, 50 points. Yeah. I haven't played draft yet, but pro tip... Don't pick Michael Oliver Candy. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Do you want to list off any other Clippers? You no, I'd, I'd rather uh, not, just for my personal health. Okay, sounds good. Um... All right, so what I want to do with this kind of last segment, we, we talked a little bit specifically about your fandom as a Clippers fan, how that relates to Bucks fans and kind of their process in trying to build a winner. And what I wanted to also talk about was obviously all of last week was us talking about Jason Kidd, Jason Kidd getting fired, Joe Prunty, what could be different, mailbags of all that stuff. Like We spent a lot of time on it. And one thing that I think, as I kind of look at the Bucks going 4-0 in the last week, is was that an aggressive move by the Bucks? Because as you think about what the Bucks had before the All-Star break, I know Dean, our friend at All the Bucks, has tweeted it out. Like, it was going to be, I think, a 400 win percentage from the 11 teams that you were going to face after that Monday night um, to the All-Star break. So a 400 win percentage. The Bucks were going to rattle off some wins here. They, there's, there's literally no doubt to me that they were going to rattle off some wins. And I, we had mentioned on the pod before Jason was fired that the Bucks are going to run into some wins, whether they like it or not, <laughs> before the All-Star break. Like, there's too many bad teams. There's too many places where you can get wins, and teams won't execute. So you have those opportunities, and I guess now thinking about it and watching those games and seeing a 2-for-26 performance from 3, a 3-for-19 from 3 in the first half with the Nets, like, just seeing these bad teams play basketball, I can't help but think, do the Bucs go 4-0 with Jason Kidd? Certainly a possibility. And if they don't go 4-0, I think they go 3-1. and uh, And if they don't go 3-1, and they go 2-2. Two and two. Like, <laughs> it, like, There's a spot here where they were going to get wins. Like, There's no way they're going 0-4 in that stretch. And I can't help but think the Bucs knew that. I mean, the, that's, the organization was aware. They knew that there was wins coming up here. That had to have been the concern. But uh, when people were asking about, well, is this too early? Did Jason get a fair shake? Like... I don't. Did the organization care if he got a fair shake? Like, I feel like they knew you get to the A spot, you have the grounds to fire Jason at that point, and you do so before he wins seven of eleven, and you go into All Star break in a spot where you you can't politically, I don't think, 
politically, you can't fire a coach that's, I don't even know what that would be, five games over, six games over, seven games over, 500. Like, you can't do that at the all-star break. Especially coming on the heels of a, a, seven, a seven of 10, seven of 11 run. You couldn't do that. So I'm trying to think of what to call that. I guess kind of ruthlessness. There's a certain aggressiveness to that move. Or Am I crazy to think that that is something that had to at least go into their thinking? Yeah, I mean, and that... That had to have been the concern, was if you were really considering moving on from kids, then you just couldn't wait through this stretch because you were going to have less of a reason to do so, you know, whether that was in the court of public opinion. I know a lot of the fan base would have been happy whenever this happened, but this... The other thing is it it gives you a couple... And I... It's tough calling any of these, like, easy wins just because... I mean... Never trust the Bucks is a real thing. It's <laughs> yeah. a rule. So, um, but to get this group of players in Prunty, this stretch of games that that you know we are now a couple games into and are, are coming up, and you know aside from the Heat and the Timberwolves, I mean everyone else is bottom five in their conference, and you have the Suns, the Bulls, the the Nets. You're gonna have the Knicks twice. You have the Hawks, the Magic. It's it is really a who's who of Tankathon, and <laughs> yes. you. You're going to want to collect all those wins. And I mean, and I know that people think the grounds for firing Kid was being the eight seed. And I mean, that's just not, it's not like they went into this season thinking. If we're ever the eight seed. After the new year. After the new year. That's just, that's just as long as we're going. That's just not a thing. Especially because when they did fire him and they were the eight seed, they were two and a half back of the four. Correct. And are currently two and a half back of the three seed now in Cleveland. And there's. It was it's so tight in the Eastern Conference that I I'm not disagreeing with their decision to move on from him. Honestly, I think it's a I think it's a year and a half too late. Yeah. But that's I don't think they could have I think if they waited anywhere beyond where they ended up firing him last Monday, they were going to have to wait out the season. Because things were only going to get better from here on out from a wins loss standpoint, even with Kidd actively holding the team back from a schematic standpoint. And it's just interesting to me that, uh, obviously, I think most people would just say, well, if you didn't think he was a good enough coach to be on your team, just fire him. It doesn't matter how many games you've won or lost. Like, if you don't think he's a good coach, just fire him. And I totally agree with that. But I think we've seen such a a batch of, I don't want to say bad PR, but there's so many former players that are in media at this point that – the last week has been people saying, "Oh, they didn't give Jason enough time," or "Our kid didn't get a fair deal." And on the like on the jump today, they talked about the Bucks going four zero in the addition of Jabari Parker, and Scotty Pippen mentioned the fact that, well, you know, they they won these four games against some bad teams, and uh, it, if Jason would have got that chance, like I think there's a chance he could have saved his job, or they, they let him go too early, and. As I heard that, all I could think of was politically, like, you had to do it at that moment. Like, whether or not being an eighth was the grounds for dismissal, which I don't think it was. I think it was everything else that we heard. a large culmination of things. The defense not getting any better, Jason being stubborn, Jason disagreeing with people. Like, all of those things are the reason he was fired. But to make it look better... And, again, I think when we talk about this organization, I think there's a number of things that are about making things look good, look right. And I just can't help but think that at least played some role into it, that at that very moment they were in the eighth spot and 
they were going to rattle off a whole bunch of wins before the All-Star break. Yeah, and you, you can't make that coaching change over the All-Star break, and not even just because of the stretch, but you're then announcing an interim coach while Giannis is away. At I mean, Brogdon was going to be away. Yeah. Like You have a lot of players that are going to be at the All-Star festivities, and you, that's just not a time you can make that move. And you know, and I saw the players only thing the day of on TNT, and that was that was brutal. I think it. A lot of former players really like Jason Kidd because of who he was as a player. Yep. And a lot of those same former players don't watch a ton of Bucks games. And also correct. I think and that's very just, clear by their analysis. I, I think that's just what it boils down to because anyone who's and obviously you and I are a lot more day in day out with this stuff than anyone who's doing national media. Sure. Um, and. You know, just understandably so, but I think that's just all it boils down to because you, there's no way that you could have followed this team for the last you know x amount of years and thought that kid was the one not getting I mean, a fair shake. A, you said a year and a half ago, like a year and a half ago. It's my, I guess, theory or mindset on coaches is that there's a very clear top tier of whatever that is, five or six. I think I named six on the show the other day. Um, and what was that show? Uh, Homer game, uh, three to six weekdays on ESPN Milwaukee and ESPN Madison. But I thought that outside of those six or whatever, and maybe there's a bottom tier, yeah. you know, where coaches that just have no place in the league, yeah. and Kid was probably in that group. But everyone else, you get whatever you can out of them in terms of what value they can bring, and then you move on. And a lot. I mean, and obviously the whole thing is fluid. It's an, an entirely fluid situation, and oh, I don't know. On, on this podcast, we call it the blob. Like, <laughs> right. there, there's the top coaches, and then there's the yeah. blob. And sometimes there's someone that floats to the yeah. top of the blob. Other times, that person floats to the bottom of it. And like, you, you can go to the top, to the bottom, to the left or the right. Like, you can be all over the place in the blob, but you're not on the top tier. Right. And so, um, while yes, I think. The time to move on was from Kid was a year and a half ago. It was before last season. Um, I don't go as far as to agree with the people who think that he was the wrong hire because I did think he provided. I I think he provided a ton of value. Yeah. Um, you know, I I Giannis probably develops his way on his own, but Jason's one who put a, the ball in his hands. So, I mean, that, 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 those are things that happened, and and we can't necessarily prove otherwise. But it got to the point where he was actively hurting his team, and that's when he needed a cut bait, and that was before last season. And once you got everything you could out of Kid, and things became stagnant, and there was a very clear point where things were then stagnant thereafter, and that's, and maybe this isn't as analogous um, after hearing my anti-tanking uh, theory, but once you have everything you can get out of a coach, like it's time to move on, and it's also why I don't like love the idea of retreads. You know, the, the same retreads. I mean, um, you know. There are ways to to bring in like older coaches and not have it feel like a retread. Jeff Van Gundy, I think at this point would be at least worth exploring. And he's, you know, people look at. I saw a lot of people making the comparison to John Gruden. Like Gruden's been out of the game forever, and you know, Jeff Van Gundy has been in the media for a long time. But like he's been coaching the national team while mm-hmm. you know Greg Popovich does uh, does spur stuff. And which is interesting because uh, I don't think people actually think about national team stuff because last night. Before the game, I was talking to Brett Brown, and Brett Brown has coached the Australian team. Yeah. And he was talking about how he's known Joe Prunty since 1999. But when I said something, I think I phrased my question like, 
you were a guy that got your chance as a head coach in the NBA a little bit later. Joe's getting that chance as well. He wasn't offended by the question, but like he did make sure to mention like he's gotten a chance to coach before, like because he's been the head coach of the, the great, great, great national so, like, team. He's done that, and I think it's interesting that just that you brought that up because it's not something that we think of. Like we don't think of anything outside of the NBA is. Right is coaching like that's not an actual head coaching experience but it very much is so so the, and to I, your point Je- jeff and gunny's gone through some of that right and i i totally forgot that he was even doing that until he was on uh bill simmons's podcast i think it was two weeks ago but uh i knew that he was doing that it just hadn't clicked and like he's been coaching yeah and he talked about how much he loved you know getting to coach um, against these uh, foreign teams from different places and how like they're stylistically um, how they play and and getting to work with a lot of young guys was like something he mm-hmm. never really did and like found a ton of value in but, but my point is there's you don't have to necessarily just grab someone else's scraps to bring in someone fresh I am fully on board with the idea of bringing Steve Nash in most of that is personal bias because he was one of like my favorite players growing up same, I don't. I don't know if he's going same to be. Same to being my favorite player. <laughs> right. I'm I don't not, think you're on, sure on board as much. But either way, um, I think once you have everything you can get out of a coach and things get stag- uh, stagnant, that's that's when it's time to move on. And I think that point, the Bucks hit that with Kid uh, before last season, and it's it's strange to think about because you don't. I think the assumption at this point is you know Prunty coaches the rest of the season, and then a lot of it is. At the end of the at the end of the season is seeing who's willing to leave their team to come to yours. Yeah, because the best available coaches probably have jobs aren't necessarily available yeah. uh, quite yet, and so it's it's going to see who you can poach basically. And I don't know because in that tier of five or six elite guys, like those guys aren't moving; they're just they're just not moving. No, and you know, and that's kind of the benefit of having one of those elite yeah. coaches. Um, but I think a lot of it is going to be uh, who makes the most sense for Giannis, and then you figure everything else out around him. And I don't know that you're letting Giannis make the decision because as much as the star player should be involved, uh, and as much as I love Giannis, uh, if it was up to him, Kid would probably still be the coach. Correct. And so I don't know how much I'm going to... I mean, he's going to have input if I'm running things. He has... A ton of input. He gets to meet with all the candidates, and that's great. But he sure as hell ain't making the decision. Yeah, and I mean, it's very clear that they feel that way, that they would talk to Giannis about things like they told him before they fired Jason Kidd. And I think that the way that that sounds, like how that went down, that feels healthy to me. That, hey, we're going to do this thing, but... We respect you enough that we're going to tell you what we're going to do and we're going to tell you why we're doing this thing. And sorry if, like, obviously you you want, maybe you wanted Jason to stay. Like, you have a close personal relationship to Jason because Mm -hmm. he's, like, your first coach that you connected with. But this is what we're doing. And we're in charge here and you're not. But we very much value how you feel. We want to make sure that you're okay, and we want to make sure that you know that you're valued by us. So I think that'll be interesting to watch. I don't know when I'm going to have you on the podcast again, so I'm not going to make you make a prediction because I think that would be really silly. Um, But I guess what I'm curious to ask you about is you've watched this Bucks team go 4-0 under Joe Prunty. Mm -hmm. 
you know the schedule coming up before the All-Star break, and I think you understand that they could very well put themselves in a good spot there. I guess I'm more curious about after the All-Star break where you see this happening. What do you think about this Bucks team going forward? Have you seen things defensively, offensively that excite you? Um, I'm not going to ask you to tell me whether or not they're going to be a home seed in the playoffs or anything like that. Like, just what do you think about what you've seen thus far? And do you, is there anything that you're excited about or thinking is good going forward? Um, I think just top of mind, like the the thing I'm most excited about, and it's not a, a huge deal, I guess, is. With the changes to their defense and them and the Bucks not playing, you know, this full-time aggressive blitzing trapping defense and and reverting to something more conservative, the amount of mileage this is going to save Giannis is, I think, something that isn't probably ever going to be talked about enough. And that's both short-term and long-term. Like he's, you know, we've talked about how much he's or how he's leading the league in minutes per game. Yeah. And you know these whatever we want to call them, you know, scheduled rest days. Uh, I know the team can't call it that, but whatever. He's taking a game off every month, and this time it was Right around the same time. Yeah, you know, coincidental. Um, (laughs) But even within each game, if he keeps – if he ends up playing 40 minutes a game for the rest of the season, 40 minutes in this system is far different than 40 minutes under kids' defense. Because even in half-court sets defensively, you were working two or three times as hard as, as when you were playing conservatively because there's just so much overworking. Yeah. And it's – it's I mean, there's so much blitzing and recovering, and you're just – you're constantly running. And so, yeah, I would assume his minutes are going to, to scale back just a little bit. But even if they don't, like those are a very different 40 minutes a game. I mean, and I've, told, I've talked with Frank about that before, is that I think there's a difference between – 40 minutes in a game that was never within single digits and 40 minutes in a tight game. Like, I I think that's very obvious that there can be different types of stress in the exact same amount uh, amount of minutes. So I think that'll be interesting, and I would agree that I think you're seeing, I I don't want to say Giannis be less active, but Giannis less needlessly active. Like, he, he can use his energy for... Chase down blocks for being able to like, get into a passing lane. Like he can use it to do the things that could be good in a, in a defense, as opposed to trapping for some reason. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you could probably ask any coach in the league, and they will tell you like action for the sake of action is stupid. Yeah, and it's a complete waste because unless you're a team like the Warriors who can just thrive under controlled chaos, there's no need to just move around. And the Bucks could be that, but Giannis is usually the one that's capable. And if he's the one just running around doing things, like you might get a, a deflection and a steal here and there, but it's just not worth whatever you were doing to him over the course of that game. But I guess what I'm most curious to find out is when we when we look back at this regular season as a whole, and we look at up until January 21st or whatever it was, 21st, 22nd, so that first nominal half of the season... Mm-hmm. And then we look at ver- that versus the second half, you know, from T onward. Yeah. How much of a difference is there going to be when we look at where this team ranks defensively? Because I believe at the time Kid went, it was 26th, yeah. 24th, yeah, 25th. It, it was bottom five. Like, are we expecting them to move to middle of the pack? I mean, Higher? doing that would be huge. Because, uh, I mean, we Frank and I have talked about on this podcast, if you can be as good as the Bucks are offensively, 
you don't have to be great defensively. Like you can win a whole mess of games just being in the middle of the pack. And uh, let me be clear, the Bucks are not going to be a top ten defense like they have been in these four games right. as teams have missed every three that they've taken. But uh, I think it's like a ninety-two defensive rating. Or something it's in four games. It's, it's just ludicrous. Um, so like that's not going to happen. But I do think even a very minimal increase in effectiveness is huge for this team. Like it is, it can. I don't think it can be understated. And I know when Dean was on the podcast a month back, we talked about how bunched up those defenses are in the middle, and like they could soar in the rankings. And maybe it's only a point better, but damn, a point better per one hundred possessions <laughs> yeah. is a lot. Like that's really helpful. Like it, that, there's just kind of this, there's this opportunity. I think that if you can stop doing actively bad things on defense. And you don't have to do good things on defense. Just stop doing the actively bad things. It seems like there's a lot of room for improvement. And that's only going to make your offense better. I mean, even aside from you know getting Jabari back, just being able to save all of that energy and effort for offense is going to be huge because you're not overworking literally every player sure. on the floor. It's fine. I defensively, was, it's fine. I saw Homer at the game last night. And we were talking about it, and uh, he was like. If you're going to be bad on defense, like, at least don't expend a bunch of energy doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, and it's like, yeah, sh- sh- like, you're right. Shit. Like, if you want to be the 25th best defense in the league, like, don't waste any energy trying to be the 25th best. Right, because you're only getting so much worse. <laughs> sure. So it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Um, any other general Bucks thoughts that you want to get off? Uh, this, is, this is your chance to fire off oh. some takes if you want to, or just general, uh, more calm takes. Um I think they're going to end up making a bigger run than people think this year. I think because of what Giannis's timeline is, people have sort of gotten in the mindset of like, oh, in the next couple of years, they're really going to make some noise. And I I think this is setting up to be a really good year um, with some of the team. I mean, with John Wall news today, yep. they could end up getting a home seed. And with the Cavs in as much dysfunction as they are, like that's yeah. – I, I would not – Bet on the Bucks to win a series against some of the teams at the top of the East, but I I, sh- I certainly wouldn't be surprised. And I think this is I think this is a year where you see a playoff series win and maybe another run into another one. Okay. That, and I'm I'm like I'm not a Bucks that, fan. I'm like that's not me being yeah. hopelessly optimistic. Like I I don't root for the Bucks. I root for me. I'd love to cover more playoffs. <laughs> that's, that's how I treated every job I've had. I mean, yeah. I. Luckily, I got to cover like the Heat during the Big Three era, but I. That's not bad. No, it's but, not a bad way to start your NBA. Conference. Like I was happy about going to the finals. You're like, oh, you're a Heat fan. I'm like, no, I'm a B fan. I'm, I'm trying to cover the damn finals. Are you out of your mind? This is the NBA finals, man. I don't care yeah. who I'm a fan. No, of. I'm not rooting for anyone here besides me. Um, all right, so Pratik Patel, ESPN Milwaukee producer of Homer and Gabe from 3 to 6 p.m. every Monday through Friday on 540 ESPN in Milwaukee, 100.5 ESPN in Madison. And hopefully my my sidecast partner, as we get, I mean, one, the Bucks need to make the playoffs. Um, yes. But that was something that for road playoff games, you and I had a lot of fun doing last year. Yeah, ton of fun. Um, so hopefully we'll do those again. And um, maybe there'll be another time. I mean, Frank's a, a busy man now. So maybe there'll be another time where I'll need you to hop in and kind of help guest host here. Um, um, but like, thank you. Like I said on Twitter earlier, when we were basically making the analogy for all of the guest hosts to be Bucks players, 
If I'm 14 minutes of sad Terrence Jones, then so be it. If this is if my time's <laughs> up, your 14 if, if my time's up, then my time's up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, that's gonna be it for us for today. Pratik Patel at Patel ESPN. If you want to follow him on Twitter, thank you for joining me and. It is a draft Wednesday, so head over to draft to use the promo code L O B U C K S. Again, that is L O Bucks for Locked On Bucks, and then I get you a three dollar free play with your first deposit at draft, either on draft.com or download the app. For Patik, for Frank, for Matilda, I'm Eric. This has been Locked On Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.